Hello and welcome to episode 36 of Booze, Booms and Busts. My name is Boaz Shoshan and I'm joined as ever by Sam Volkering. In today's show, we shall be quaffing a few beers while discussing market events of the last week. Sam, thank you so much for joining me today. What have you been looking at recently? I mean, how can, how, like, what a week, right? I mean, yep. the, 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 it's, it's been wild. It's been full of... Well, I was going to say full of ups and downs, but I suppose that would be incorrect. It's been a week full of downs. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm much looking forward to, to this beer. Um, I mean, you know, you, you've known me long enough that, that, that when the market's volatile like this, this is where we, we love these kinds of times, really. Um, so there's plenty to talk mm. about today. Um, a lot happening on the US markets, which obviously then flows through to other markets. Bond yields, we can discuss. I mean, crypto, there's so much to cover. So I think, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to smashing these beers and talking about it. Because look, let's let's not also beat around the bush. Uh, my portfolio is a little bit thinner than it was at the start of the week. So, you know, a, a beer at the end on a Friday afternoon uh, is, is a good way to, to wind things up. So, yeah. What a week. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Looking forward, it, it's almost like I'm wondering what we're going to see at the beginning of next week. Uh, considering uh, the market was not a big fan of Jerome Powell's uh, speech <laughs> the other day in terms of uh, selling off in a, in a relatively large fashion, it'll be interesting to see if he tries to correct himself and do something early next week or if he sticks to his guns and just uh, and keeps on at it. You know, in late, uh, it would have been, um, you know, what was that? I think it was late 2018 uh, when Powell had just, had just shown up and was uh, hiking rates pretty aggressively uh, until we got the bloody October of 2018, uh, which was, you know, really, really bad for risk assets. You know, nothing like a, a 2008 crash or anything like that, but, you know, a, a very bad relative to the last previous years, you know, previous mm. few years before that. Um, uh, you know, Powell sort of corrected and was like, oh, okay, you know, I'll roll over and I'll just do what you guys want. I'll cut the interest rates. <laughs> I wonder if he'll continue with his sort of stoic, I don't care what you think. We're not here to prop up uh, risk assets. Mm. Uh, you know, we're just going to care. We're just going to stick with uh, with how we've been doing uh, doing this already. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how whether or not he has a change of heart next week, because I imagine there'll be an awful lot of pressure on him to do that. Um and yeah, well, I think there's a lot of ways we could we could check this out. Personally, I think the rise in oil is something that has uh, interested me quite a lot. Um, I bought a little bit of Exxon Mobil not long ago because uh, I'm I'm quite bullish on the oil industry, and uh, oil has been having a pretty good time uh, there so far. It's been quite a nice jump because uh, Saudi and uh, OPEC, well, OPEC as a whole, is not all that keen to open the open the floodgates just yet. And the rise in oil sort of correlates with this very broad rise in commodity prices all over the place that we're seeing, where, you know, the looks at, you know, the likes of soybean and corn and, uh, you know, rice, wheat, rubber, <laughs> um, rapeseed oil, all manner, like everything is, everything's been going up a lot recently. And I Modern do wonder spoons. whether or not that is really, yeah, I wonder if that's inflation though, or I wonder whether or not that's simply due to all of this supply chain um, uh, dysfunction that has been ongoing all the way through the Wu flu era and whether or not that's just feeding its way through 
into uh, higher prices because producers have had to stop growing so much or, uh, or stop harvesting so much. You know, they've had to throw away huge amounts of it. Mm. Uh, you know, at the beginning of that wolf loose season. I wonder if this is really the devaluation of money that we're seeing, or whether or not it's simply producers not being able to uh, get output quite as optimized as it was in the pre wuflu era. Uh, but, you know, that said, uh, there are, yeah, there are plenty of things for us to talk about, uh, you know, on the tech side, on the commodity side, on the, on the rates side. Uh, but we should say what we're drinking. The beer side. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's on the inside? <laughs> what's, the, what's the beer side thing? <laughs> on this beer side, uh, I've got the Maverick just maverick there's no like it's not like the maverick it's just maverick uh, a hazy apa the, yeah. the the why i say i'm confused a little bit by it is because there is no indication that it is an american parallel apart from saying apa uh but it's a polish uh, beer so I've, I've been on a run of, of of australian beers over the last few weeks and uh this one's a a, a polish one from now, I, I, again, I will apologize if I pronounce this horribly wrong, uh, but from Gdansk. <laughs> and and, and, and I, I don't, I've never been there. I've got a mate that's been there. He said it's a wonderful place to go to. But this is 4.7%. Um, and so far, or it's interestingly, and I've not seen this before anywhere, it's got a bitterness rating. Uh, out of six, it's a two out of six bitterness rating, uh, which is interesting because... I, I like six. I don't, I don't understand where the six comes from. Usually, you know, if you're going to rate something, most people sort of go from naught to 10, but six is an interesting number to lie on uh, in terms of a rating system. But this is a two out of six bitterness. Uh, the Maverick has the APA from rock mill brewery in Gdansk. How's it tasting so far? Uh, remarkably good, actually. Um, it is it is not overly bitter, which which supports the two out of six bit bitterness rating. Um, but I'm do you know what the other thing that I like about this, and maybe it's an Eastern European kind of thing, but it's a good whack five hundred mil can too. None of this four forty mil bullshit. It's a proper <laughs> half liter can of beer, which is exactly how I like my cans to come. Oh, good. Yeah, it's another 500 mil on my side, uh, though sadly not of something I am enjoying anymore. This is, uh, this is another Aventinus Doppelbock. My <laughs> beer fast is continuing. Uh, I have made it this far, slightly over two weeks now. Um, and yeah, this, we're back on the Doppelbock. Uh, I am going to rate this every, every week. I'm doing this fast. Uh, and it is definitely getting uh, a lot harder to drink than it was at the very beginning. This is not an enjoyable drink uh, at all, I must <laughs> say. Uh, but, you know, I am committed. So uh, we're going to carry on with it. I'm not, I don't think uh, the Schneider, Schneider Weisser Aventinus is going gonna, is gonna to get great ratings by the end of this. But uh, we shall see. Uh, currently, with the beer fast, I am I'm wondering whether or not I shall call it off after a month rather than the full uh, Lent period, uh, as it is becoming harder to concentrate, and I don't want to let my work suffer uh, as a result of that. 
interestingly, I don't really get that hungry anymore. I just get strange cravings for foods I haven't even had for you know ages. Right? <laughs> the other day, I uh, you know the other day for some reason I just really wanted a tuna and sweet corn sandwich, and <laughs> I haven't eaten a tuna and sweet corn sandwich for years. Right? This is not you know I don't normally like tuna and sweet corn. It's normal. I like you know just normal tuna or. I think yep. Pret or something does like a tuna and cucumber one. Mm. I like tuna and sweet corn just isn't my thing. But for some reason, I just really, really wanted one. Um, so, you don't, I, I'm not getting hunger pangs anymore. It's just this sort of strange sensation. Um, and you feel quite light as well. Uh, there's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, Lightheaded or I, physically light? Um, well, I, yeah, another reason why I, I, I was thinking about uh, maybe calling it at 28 days rather than the full Lent period uh, was because there, there have been some days when I've not drank that much beer the night before where I do feel very lightheaded. Uh, and that's mm. not conducive to, doing, to being productive at all. Uh, <laughs> though I am actually getting lighter as well. I actually checked the, I, uh, I weighed myself today. And uh, yeah, do you want do you want to guess how much uh, how much weight I've lost, Sam, since I started this? Oh God, um, I don't know, uh, five pounds. Five pounds. Five pounds. <laughs> oh me, I wish uh, I have so far since I started this, I have lost a stone and eleven pounds. What the fuck? <laughs> Jesus Christ. I didn't know you had a stone and 11 pounds to lose. Jesus Christ. All those people like go on about like the Atkins diet and keto diet and all those kinds of fucked up diets. Screw that. Just do the doppelbock diet, man. That is mental. Shit, I might do I might do 2 weeks of doppelbock drinking. I could do with a, I could do with a stone and 11 pounds coming up. <laughs> Something tells me that I'm not going to uh that I'm not going to 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 have that lost for a long a long period of time i'm pretty I, I, sure. I also feel like that if there are doctors listening and you're genuinely concerned about boaz's health please reach out to him and just maybe talk some more sense into him <laughs> yeah you know my loved ones have been telling me that i uh that i look very pale and that <laughs> i um you've literally I, turned I really... into a pale ale <laughs> a pale ale yes right yeah scottish pale ale an spa <laughs> um and, uh, you know, they really want me to start eating again. Uh, and I don't want to worry them. Uh, but, you know, I am fine. Uh, to everyone listening to this, I, you know, <laughs> I sound the way I feel. I really do feel all right. Um, but, yeah, I may, I may end it at a month rather, rather than the full length. So we'll see. Mm. We'll see. Uh, before the moment, on the doppelbock, uh, we've still got a fair bit to go. I mean, so I'm pretty much only halfway. Through. If I do only do a month, I'm only halfway through it. Uh, so probably still more weight to lose. Um, but uh, we'll we'll check we'll be checking in in the ne in next week's podcast anyway. Uh, but anyway, back back to you know the real the real stuff. I am pleased to announce actually that we are making very good progress with uh, the booze booms and busts uh, next beer. Yeah, uh, you know several many of you uh, have had the quantitative ease double IPA. It was a very big success mm. uh, late last year. Uh, you know, it was a. I was so pleased with how that turned out. Uh, it was. A, it was really funny how sort of a kind of a joke became uh, an actually really good beer. Uh, now we shall be having another uh, a uh, not a ruby beer but an amber beer uh, released in the near future. We're working on the label at the moment, uh, but it is interestingly going to be a blend, uh, well, or something of a cross actually. So yeah, no, a blend is a is a poor word for it. Yeah, a cross 
uh, of two different beer styles, and that is an amber beer and an American red ale. Uh, and this sounds, it's going to be kind of hoppy, but sort of bitter as well. Uh, and it is called Blockhead to, uh, to uh, celebrate uh, Bitcoin and, its, and the grand progress it's made recently. Hopefully the Bitcoin price won't have gone down too much by the time that we... Uh, it's a we sign of the top. And no, stop it. It's a sign of the top. Cancel, cancel. Yeah, exactly. We're, we're generating our own market top indicators here. Oh God, have we put um, laser eyes? We haven't put laser eyes on the label, have we? <laughs> <laughs> no, we haven't. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's going very well. And uh, actually, Sam, we do need that. You know, in terms of what goes out goes on the label itself. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's up to you know. We are we are thinking about this. But if you are listening to this, if you have any suggestions hmm. of what you like on the label, uh, at the moment it needs a, a witty sort of punchline to go off at the top. Uh, because you know it's a 6.25% ABV beer, and that is specifically to celebrate the 6.25 Bitcoin uh, that goes to the miners for every block that is mined. Uh, and we need something witty at the top to sort of explain that, uh, explain that specificity. So uh, if you do have a good way of uh, of getting that in there, uh, do let us know. Uh, and with QE, I think it was uh, celebrating 745 billion pounds worth of money printing and counting we put on that because it was a 7.4 percent double IPA. Uh, so if you can think of a you know uh, an erudite way of, uh, of of describing that side of the beer, do let us know. Uh, but that that's uh, that's us so far on, on the beer front. Sam, do you want to uh, well do you want to wonder why? Uh, why, why is Tesla having such a bad time at the moment? Huh? It's, uh, it's just getting its ass handed to it. And this is what all of the millennials have been telling me is the future. You know, there was that fella on Twitter uh, who retired, uh, you know, very early. I think he was 29, uh, having just levered himself up to the hilt in Tesla and just holding and holding, holding, holding. I think he had himself about $12 million. And that was, uh, you know, I think that was last year. I don't think that was this year when he actually announced his retirement. Um, but you know, he said on Twitter today, you know, my, uh, you know, I'm down three and a half million and I'm not even breaking a sweat because Oof. it's uh, it's a volatile market. Tesla's always been volatile and I'm sure 2021 will turn out to be a great year for Tesla and 2022. Now he may well be right. I mean, if this is just the dip and you know, there's going to be another, there's going to be another, uh, you know, the fed's going to you know, manage to ease everything. All the monetary conditions aren't going to be too bad. Uh, we have seen, interestingly, credit spreads aren't blowing out at the moment. Uh, so, and that is something that Jerome Powell himself looks at as a key, as a you know key indicator of uh, market stress. You know, the the credit spread is the uh, the difference in interest rates between uh, safe borrowers and perceived risky borrowers. So, when that starts to widen significantly and people go to safety and uh, spurn the risky uh, credits then that's generally a time uh, that things can go wrong, especially mm. in a very levered financial system, uh, because there is so much leverage in it that uh, you know, the, the risky guys getting wrecked and the safe guys getting sort of crowded into can create a lot of dislocations. And that hasn't happened yet. And yet mm. the stock market is uh, having a very bad time of it. So this, I wonder, you know, Sam, what's your take on that? Well, because Tesla is yeah. the darling of the stock market over the, of the sort of the lockdown period, especially. Yeah. Uh, what do you think it is that's driving that? I am yet to have anybody properly explain to me what makes Tesla uh, that much better a company than than say General Motors or Ford or Ferrari. Like no, like seriously, no one. People are just like, oh, but Tesla's the future. I'm like, well, 
of, of course it, 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 it will hold a place in the future amongst many other car companies, but at $550 billion valuation, General Motors is at $73 billion. Nobody has given a credible argument as to why the disparity between those two companies is so grand. And, and, and they're like, well, but, the, but it's the future. I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake, give me a better argument than that. Because General Motors makes about five times, probably more than that, uh, the amount of cars, will be converting to an entire uh, lineup of electric cars. We'll have a better range of cars, uh, cheaper cars. Um, personally, I think better looking cars. And yet everyone's like, Tesla's the future. Tesla's the future. Well, so far Tesla has what? Three models, maybe four um, and possibly a fifth. And I just don't, I, I cannot for the life of me understand why people think they are going to be producing you know, 10 million cars a year and everyone's going to be buying Teslas. Most people are not going to ever own a Tesla. Most people are going to own an electric GM or an electric Volkswagen or an electric Ford or an electric BMW or an electric Audi, uh, electric Fiat, electric Nissan, electric... I could keep going. I could, keep, I could probably electric go on for an Hummer. hour. The electric Hummer. The electric Hummer. The electric Hummer is a better truck uh, than the Cybertruck. And everyone's like, oh, but the Cybertruck's the future. Like, well, no, no, because people, most people are going to buy an electric F-150 or an electric Hummer or an electric Rivian. Uh, they're not going to buy a, a Tesla Cybertruck. A, because it's friggin' huge. Um, like, for, okay, maybe they'll shift a few in the US, but they will not shift them in Europe. They will not shift them in the UK. It, like I said to somebody, I think it's about 20 centimeters wider than a Ford Ranger and about, uh, I think, 50 centimetres longer than a Ford Ranger. Now, you can barely squeeze a Ford Ranger through some of the lanes and roads in the UK as it is, let alone something that is astronomically bigger. I mean, they're just not going to shift as many as, as people think. So, I mean, I, I think it's at least... Oh, God, I don't even want to say it's, it's, it's twice the valuation that it should be. I think, I, I genuinely believe that Tesla's valuation should be closer to about where GM's is at, about $70, $70 billion, um, maybe even less. But, you know, the market is what the market is and people want to buy it at, at that price, people will buy it at that price. But all of this, I'm not surprised by. I was absolutely gobsmacked by its rise. And none of the none of the fall from its highs is surprising me, and I think there's just far far more to come. Yeah, I think the it was incredible to me. Someone uh, someone did put it on Twitter where they uh, if you actually calculate the Tesla stock price, if you um, if you account for all of the stock splits and dilutions that have taken place, uh, and we're looking, you know, the stock price would be three and a half grand <laughs> if you actually take that into account. And, uh, you know, that is just an incredible, just incredible valuation. I mean, I remember it would have been maybe, I don't know, 2015 or something. I mean, I don't study the Tesla chart, but, you know, you know Tesla was $90 or something. It's incredible to see just how, how far it's gone. But I do wonder, you know, if we are looking at Tesla getting hammered as hard as it has, NASDAQ as a whole is, uh, you know, been taking a hit. Uh, though you know Tesla has, of course, uh, be graduated and gone to gone to the S and P at this point, but uh, you know I wonder as Tesla was the darling. I wonder if this is sending us a signal that uh, you know time is really up 
for these tech names. I mean, my main thesis for this year has been that inflation will arrive higher than it is inspected and that than is expected, and that is going to shock tech. And that in turn will shock crypto. I mean, a lot of people, uh, a lot of the, you know, the Bitcoiners, as I believe I've made the case on this, on this podcast before, think that inflation itself it, um, will actually make Bitcoin go on steroids. Uh, whereas for me, because Bitcoin has become so correlated with its tech names, that uh, if inflation then whacks those tech names, the Bitcoin will get whacked as well. Inflation, nobody, nobody seems to want to consider the idea that inflation can actually be really bad for Bitcoin rather than good for it. But, uh, and I think that maybe that's what we're starting to see now with the NASDAQ having a bad week. But then again, it could just be, uh, this is just another bout of volatility. And you know, one way or another, the government with its stimulus, the US government with its stimulus plans or the Fed with uh, being you know, petrified of letting anything get out of control might do something to just kick that rally further and further down. Um, you know, it does feel to me like Bitcoin uh, being sort of, the, sort of the, the pinnacle of that tech rally is, it seems to me at a critical junction now, because the, you know, the biggest moves in Bitcoin are always at the very end of the rally. That's always the yeah. most parabolic, brutal uh, rises where, you know, it's almost unimaginable how fast it's managed to move in such a short period of time. If you just look from November till December in, in 2017, that's the kind of incredible action and it to me it feels like maybe this is just that final the, the last pullback before there is that final brutal last rally mm-hmm. um but sam i expect i expect you feel a bit differently about that right yeah i mean it, it's it's weird right because because the evolution of what bitcoin is as an asset has has somewhat changed over the last 12 years it's evolved um, and it will it will continue to evolve, I think, as it finds is it, it like you know people talk about it going through this price discovery, and it's a it's a reasonable kind of uh, way to look at it is, is it's trying to find what it actually is trying to find its identity amongst society, I suppose, or people are trying to find its identity. I think it's it, it's always somewhat been constant, but how we use it uh, in society, I think, is is evolving and changing. And right now, it is it does behave and look a bit like some of these tech stocks because I think at the moment with the adoption and awareness of it, it it's, it's seen as a speculative uh, asset as a risk asset and that people will move out of it uh, like a stock because when, you know, they want move, want to move out of risky assets, they're going to sell whatever it is. They don't care whether it's Bitcoin or whether it's, uh, Tesla or Netflix or whatever it might be, and so that you'll just you just inherently get selling in periods of selling on the stock market. What I find interesting is that if and and this is what I'm trying and wrap my head around is if we're talking about a high inflationary period, and this is why I tend to think Bitcoin will do well in a high inflationary period is that if we're getting high inflation and and it tend and it leads to a risk off period in the markets. And, and maybe we're seeing the starts of that now, that what, do, what are investors moving to? If they're moving out of the market, where are they moving that to? Are they moving that to cash? So if they're moving that to cash in a high inflationary uh, environment, it's, it's kind of cutting off your nose to spite your face. I think that it will move, I think the smart money moves to, to something like Bitcoin because of its deflationary nature. 
uh, and that, that we start to see the a greater, uh, I guess, decoupling from the fiat conver- um, com- you know, convergence of um, not convergence. What's the word? I'm looking. Um, the, the 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 exchange of of Bitcoin to fiat money. I think we'll see a greater decoupling of that, and that the price in fiat money won't be as hung upon because effectively Bitcoin holds its value greater than, than what cash does. So, I mean, I'm just trying to figure out is that in the next five years, what, when we have this conversation, we talk about Bitcoin as an asset, do we, are we still talking about it as though it's like a tech stock or do we all of a sudden now start talking about it again as, and, and, and we had this discussion last week about effectively Bitcoin being the foundational layer and that we have layers built on top of it to facilitate things like payments and stuff like that. So that in five years time, we are really talking about Bitcoin as it's, as a reserve asset, really a, a, a layer one reserve asset, more like gold, I suppose, but still underpinning a global network of payments and financial services. So I think that's going to evolve and that it will decouple from this being a tech stock. And as it starts to decouple from that idea is that, um, is that we'll probably see in terms of purchasing power, the underlying you know, unit of Bitcoin be stronger. Um, I, I, I hesitate to continue to refer it back to, to price. Um, mm. And I think yeah, we'll start to see that change. Yeah, that's the thing. It's, you know how people talking about, uh, often say the stock market is no longer the economy. Um, and the prices are no longer reflective of reality. I mean, it's often a thing you'll yeah. hear from people who've been bearish for a very long time. Um, and, you know, I think there's plenty of, plenty of you know, time for that. I mean, it, mm. just the idea of a, a negative yielding bond feels to me like a clear example of a price being out of sync with reality. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I agree with your view that in an inflationary period, Bitcoin would be turned to for its scarcity. It's just that before that happens, mm. and you've been talking about how Bitcoin evolves, and I thoroughly agree with that, the manner in which Bitcoin is viewed uh, has to change because uh, Bitcoin sort of wears these different outfits and has worn these different outfits over, over time, most recently with this uh, hyper-beta tech stock dynamic. Mm. And... I think when it changes its next outfit to being an inflation hedge, before that happens, there'll be an inflation shock. It'll hit the tech stocks. It'll then hit Bitcoin. But then after that period, uh, you know, which will be negative for the Bitcoin price, after that, then it'll become, oh, well, you know, and now Bitcoin's an inflation hedge. It's just when we're talking about uh, you know, prices being out of sync with reality, to me, I think the, the manner in which Bitcoin's, Bitcoin trades is out of sync with uh, its own nature. You know, people yeah. are trading Bitcoin like a tech stock. Bitcoin isn't a tech stock, right? It's just that people are thinking, are, are, are pricing it as though it is. Yeah. And that's not to yeah. say the price is too expensive or too cheap. It's just that the, you know, they're, they're putting the wrong, you know, uh, you know, the wrong barcode on it, right? You know, yeah. It's like they're at the shop and they're putting, you know, an the Apple, denominator. You know, price of Apple sort of market cap. Yeah, right. Uh, and that's, that's, that's sort of broadly how I see it. Um, but yeah, we do always end up talking about Bitcoin in in the, in this podcast. We probably should sort of it hold, move but, but on I mean, to uh, it does hold you know, an some, some other assets as well. But yeah, it is important. It is, it is such- important because it is now it's now reached a point where the 
particularly in the last 12 months where it's become a quite a significant financial instrument. Um, you know, when you know, micro strategy added another $10 million worth of Bitcoin to their balance sheet or, you know, and, and the, the, the things like Tesla buy and things like that. And, and as we were discussing off air, like um, there's you know, a lot of, a lot of movement in the traditional markets of companies coming to market. So I know um, we know backed is coming to market uh, via a SPAC. I read another one today, um, uh, another mining company, I think it's called Cypher Mining or something, is a spin off out of oh, another crypto mining project. So, another mining company is coming to market via a SPAC. There's a few mining companies already listed, Riot Blockchain, High Blockchain on, on various markets. Um, you've got uh, what else is there? Um, you know, there's, uh, there's the, the Canadian ETF that launched just the other week. I have no doubt that there'll be a US ETF very soon. Um, so it, it's it's slowly but surely becoming entrenched part of global markets. So it is it is important to understand how it moves, why it moves, because it's, it's, a, it's a big ass asset really now. Although yeah. I even yeah. said that at, at what, like under a trillion dollars in terms of Bitcoin circulating value, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's less, it's like, a, what is it about eight, 800, 900 now. So Apple's close to about $2 trillion of market cap. So, you know, Bitcoin's got some way to go. Um, so, you know, if you want to talk, people want to talk about it like a tech stock. It's like, it's cause it's still small, I suppose. I think maybe, maybe that's the other thing is that the perception of what it is doesn't really start to change until it's, you know, a $5 trillion, you know, circulating value or something like that. Then all of a sudden people go, well, hang on, this isn't really like a tech stock anymore. Cause it's not even, well, it's, it's not now, but it never will be like a, like a company. So it can't be like a stock. Um, maybe that's when the perception starts to change. And maybe that's another yeah. cycle away really. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh... Yeah. You wonder, you wonder how far, how far Bitcoin can go in this, in this cycle. Cause for me, I do, you know, I am always thinking that this cycle will end, right. You know, just as there've been previous ones, there will, there will be an end to the cycle yeah. and uh, you know, there's going to be a drawdown. All of the naysayers will suddenly think, oh yeah, we were right. Bitcoin was just a Ponzi fraud and <laughs> uh, it's time to forget about it. You know, there's going to be, well, let, let, let's give an estimate. So how many articles are there going to be that say, saying that Bitcoin is dead will be added to the stack? Of uh, Lord knows how many thousands so far. Well, I was gonna, I was going to ask you. Think maybe we should, on record in this podcast, put some put some price predictions down um, as well, just so that when it when it happens or if it happens, we can go back and say I, I told you so. Because I, I I love I've I've found a few things I I wrote a few years back where I I said Bitcoin was going to fifty thousand and it did, and and I've started to pull those out and get those um, get those back because. You know, it's nice to be right. No, don't worry. I've been wrong about a lot of shit, like Tesla. Um, I've been wrong about Tesla for seven years. Um, but some things you're also very right on. It's good to celebrate a win. But I reckon this cycle, Bitcoin's going north of two fifty thousand. Um, so Damn, I, don't, I don't like putting a time frame on it because I find that very difficult to do. But I, I, I do see that happening before it pulls back to, uh, you know, through another cycle. It should be interesting if it does do that. Yeah, damn. Well, I mean, Sam, yeah, ballsy, ballsy call, I must say. I think if you put it, if you call it this cycle, I think that, I think that makes it very concrete. Uh, so it's not like you could, yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a very good sort of caveat to, uh, to yeah. 
to, to adding to it. Um, I should, I should add yeah, to the, I mean, the disclaimer to yeah, that. I, like, that I, is, that's higher than I. Yeah. So I was just gonna say I, the disclaimer that, oh, no, you know, as I say, I don't like referring to thing to it in price, but inevitably that's a, that's a decent marker for the strength of it versus fiat money or the traditional sort of financial system that you know, I, I quite regularly compare it to. So if, if to, to, to lay down some sort of a marker on that, I think that we'd be looking at a figure north of that, just, just north of that. Yeah. Well, Sam, I mean, that's, uh, yeah, I think uh, I, I respect the, uh, the confidence, the, the bravado that goes with, with making a call like that. Uh, for me, um, I think, and this comes about, I actually wrote a piece earlier this week where I said, you know, Bitcoin's at a critical juncture. Uh, this is either we're about to enter the final parabolic stage of the cycle, or we're going to see this is going to be the bear market down to whatever low it reaches, uh, which is, you know, I would guess, I, you know, you've made a good case in the past about uh, Bitcoin now sort of having a floor at $20,000, uh, which I can imagine if you look at the, the previous cycles where the, uh, you know, the, the cycle low following a peak is always higher than the previous cycle's peak, which I think is a, a good way of looking at it. Um, for me, if this is the last parabolic phase uh, and we're, this isn't the beginning of a bear market, so, you know, like I've said, uh, you know, maybe, maybe this is when inflation arrives, this then is what starts knocking down all of the, all of the, um, the, the tech stocks and uh, including Bitcoin. That's not what's happening. We actually get the, this is the final parabolic rise. I could imagine, I could see the Bitcoin price uh, reaching 100,000. Uh, but I, I would hesitate to, to, to be more than that. And that is just if we get that final, like if we are right at the sort of, the sort of foothills of it now. Um, but of course, if you are listening to this, uh, really, well, I'm not giving investment advice here, not, neither is Sam for that matter. This is uh, purely our opinions. You know, one of the things that really distresses me when I see this kind of uh, activity is uh, when people just risk way more than they, they should be risking on Yolo what trains. is a speculation ultimately. <laughs> yeah, yeah, see, I hate that stuff. I mean, just seeing that what's happened to some of the people uh, with you know, game stuff and things like yeah. that, it really does break my heart. And uh, you know, everybody, just never let the greed you know, get the better of you like that. You, can't, you shouldn't be risking uh, money that you really can't afford to lose. So no. please, you know, while these are, you know, while these are bullish calls uh, yeah. that both myself and Sam has made, please do and make sure that you know exactly what you're doing. Um, yeah, and my don't general, leverage. You know, my general approach to crypto, the general being, especially with likes of altcoins as well. Yeah, what is up? What is up with that? Uh, like, why do you need leverage? It's like people who want to use leverage in private equity and stuff. It's like, like 10x, why 50x leverage. leverage. Ugh, brutal. I mean, that is, I mean, that's ultimately a gambler's attitude. I think the people who, who do that and aren't you know, incredibly skilled at what they're doing, you know, so sort of the amateur who does that is somebody who in, were, were they, you know, 20 years ago, they would just be at the casino all night. I mean, they were, this is generally just the, the gambler's approach. Uh, I feel like if it wasn't crypto today, it would be, uh, you know, at the money call options or at the money yeah. put options or something. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, there is, yeah, this, there's so much ebullience in the markets, right? There's so much, uh, the, the rise of the, the retail trader, especially in the States, uh, has, has done so much for valuations. And because we've been in lockdown, that 
has not, you know, we've, you've not been able to use that as an indicator that things are getting over the top. Because what else is anyone going to do when they're just staying at home? And, and especially if they're working from home, so they're still getting an income, you know, and there's not any sport mm. on the TV. Like, the, what are people going to do? And, uh, and a lot of them have just turned to, turned to trading uh, and getting into it in a big way. Do you, do you I think... do wonder whether or not that continues if we get, uh, you know, people when, when the economy reopens. Yeah, that, and that's what I was going to ask is like, do you think that that, like, let, let's imagine a world two, two years from now, right? Where everyone's vaccinated and coronavirus is like, oh, do you remember that fucking year we had that they took away from us? Oh, what a crock of shit that was. <laughs> and we're all, you know, living a, a normal, I sort of say, um, with the you know inverted commas uh, we're living a, a normal life again and you know it's friday and we're down at the pub and we're having a drink talking about this sort of shit do you reckon that you know do you reckon that it's changed do you reckon like robin hood loses a million active users um because things have gone back to normal or do you think that this is really just maybe a a period which has accelerated in a good way i mean there's good and bad out of, out of these sorts of times right and and the robin hood and retail trader thing ultimately i think we've, we've discussed this before i think it's a good thing because it seems to have engaged an entire generation that maybe previously wasn't really that bothered by all this and that it's taken a lot of this sort of yolo trading and and um you know hype and 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 fervor around you know things like gamestop and options trading and um, crypto and all those sort of things it's taken that to get a whole generation or a, a couple of generations of people interested in investing in the markets that that maybe weren't and that when you when you look 20 years or 30 years down the track that maybe it you know what we've seen come out the back of this is actually ultimately is a good thing because okay yeah well you know there's some really bad stories that will come out of this and people will get burned and leverage trading that will get liquidated and people will lose you know a lot of shit and ultimately we'll probably even see fucking some people die from it um which is what you see in all all, all major bull bear markets that sort of thing happen um but ultimately people are more engaged learning more want to learn more and have a greater appetite for this is surely that's going to be a good thing i suppose long term hmm i think that i think it's a good question i would definitely hesitate to um assume that it's a good thing i think it is uh i think it is good when people uh individuals uh want to sort of take control of their own finances and yeah. want to learn and educate themselves about uh markets in general uh you know the uh what these instruments actually are right what is equity i mean if you ask the rat you know uh, if i ask one of my friends like what is equity you know, they're yeah. not going to be able to tell me, oh, well, it's the difference between, you know, the assets and the liabilities of a company and these things are often securitized and put on the stock exchange, et cetera, right? Yeah. You know, learning all that stuff, learning what a bond is, like this kind of knowledge really is not taught at school. I really think it is, it, it makes the world make so much more sense when you know these things, when you understand how interest rates work, you understand how they're set, you know the central bank on the short end, the you know the um, the bond market on the long end, etc. All the all the stuff is very important. I think I, when it comes to uh, 
how much people will hold on to uh, the the sort of the trading attitude that they've uh, gotten from lockdown. Interestingly, you know, I think this depends on what the performance of their trades continues to be. Mm. And that may in turn be actually reflexive. So if the, the trading returns are good, then they'll probably continue to trade outside of lockdown. And that in turn, because the retail investor has pushed markets so much, may then affect the entire stock market performance, which uh, it, it lends itself to the sort of self-fulfilling kind of prophecy. But then if you know, the trading returns are bad when lockdown ends, right? when stock markets just dump after, uh, you know, after all of this uh, crazy performance, uh, and all the guys who wanted to be Stan Druckenmiller are suddenly sitting on massive losses and margin calls, then I don't think it will. I think that'll be sort of a, you know, a once burned, twice, twice shy operation. But it would be interesting, I think, if the successes continue to some degree, the crowding goes into then, for example, if it's inflation, then it goes into the mining industry or uh, you know, just fixed uh, asset businesses, you know, defensive companies like defense stocks and stuff. Hmm. I, I, it would be interesting to see if, um, if they can continue to just hype a different industry. Uh, but if they do manage to keep making investment successes to some degree, whether or not that then changes the market structure because it starts expecting these flows from uh, the retail investment, retail, your E-Trade, your E-Toros, et cetera. Um, yeah, so I think, I, I, yeah, it, I, when it comes to retail investors getting engaged, um, I think, it, you know, even to, to blanket sort of statement uh, it, where we're just talking about the retail investor, it, you know, so it is much more nuanced than this. I'm guilty of this calling him, yeah, the retail investor. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're talking about people, you know, suddenly trading options when they're literally still a teenager, uh, they don't understand how margin works. Like, you know, people who think that Robin Hood had a choice when they shut down, uh, you know, trading of GameStop. Uh, you know, if you think that Robin Hood did that because they were trying to help hedge funds, I think you're, I, like, you probably shouldn't be trading options, right? <laughs> uh, you don't, I don't think you understand the, the, the structure yeah. of the market enough for that. Broadly speaking, I do still think um, it is good to see more people getting more engaged in it. It's just whether or not when people are getting drawn into speculation, uh, that is not some. That is something I fear. I mean, I see that, and I mm. feel bad. I feel afraid for people who might get hurt when that when that draws down. Yeah, I mean, look, it's 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 one of those it's one of those things that it's hard to quantify just what's going to happen until it actually happens. <laughs> I mean, like you say, you know, the thing with Robinhood, uh, they're just they're just a, a, a puppet. Someone else is pulling their strings. They did what they had to do, because as they rightly put. If they didn't take the actions they took, um, the company probably would wouldn't would have had to have been liquidated itself um, because they would have been insolvent. Um, you know, breached a whole bunch of covenants and uh, Robin without Robin Hood. Uh, you know, all those investors are worse without Robin Hood completely than them. You know, putting pause onto a particular market. So, you know, people don't understand that. And but again, like you say, they don't understand the structure of. The, the markets and financial systems and how they they work, and I think therein is is a point that I've sort of been trying to make for a while is that 
the system itself is so complex and so convoluted and it's been constructed in such a bizarre way to benefit the few gatekeepers, which is why, you know, I always keep coming back to, to, to crypto and the decentralized networks and decentralized system because it, it, it's, it's the very antithesis of, of all of that. It's, it's, it's not having those centralized gatekeepers or if there are gatekeepers that are required, anyone and everyone can be a part of that, that network or that particular gatekeeper and benefit from it rather than just a few. And so that we do potentially get truly free global markets. And I think that's a, that's a, that's a long, long-term change. And I think that maybe, maybe um, what's come out of the last year is, is the fact that the realization that maybe that could be um, the future for markets. And so I, what I'm quite excited to see, in, you know, over my lifetime is, is what, what markets become, what a stock market actually becomes, how it, how it evolves. Like I heard Vlad from Robin Hood talking the other day about instantaneous settlement um, for stocks uh, and assets and things like that. So, you know, those sorts of changes, um, you know, they're, they're significant in the, t you know, the traditional system to, to go from T plus three to instant, you know, ownership transfer and settlement is a, is a, is a significant move um, that creates, you know, some, some efficiencies in the market that need to be, need to be done because it's such an entrenched system. So antiquated, those changes take a long time usually to make. Um, and that's why, you know, you, when you've got a decentralized, usually open source um, approach to things that crypto tends to take, that's where you get, change happening faster because it's not shackled like some of the like an institution like robin hood would be or, or any of the other major brokers so you know how it plays out i mean i saw i still even even after all this uh that happened in with robin hood and the trade and trading and the last you know month i mean i think it's what it's really only been what like a month and a half that this is all, is all kicked off with it felt, feels like it's been about two years worth but we're only just kicked into march um the the Robin Hood had a valuation like north of forty billion dollars still, um, you know. So <laughs> when uh, it's 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 weird. I think even if the market right now heads on this traje trajectory lower, and we see you know Tesla wind off in value, see a lot of the 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 froth and the hate come out of the market, which it probably rightly should. Um, there we will continue to see innovation development. We'll continue to see new companies hit the market, new IPOs, SPACs, more SPACs, reverse merging with companies, um, which isn't a bad thing. It's a good thing. You know, if we can get more public access to companies with growth potential, you know, that's not, not such a bad thing. Um, and, and ultimately, you would hope that the market, a free market, or at least a semi-efficient market and semi-free market will weed out the failures pretty quick. Um, rather than, and then, then, then that in turn, I suppose, comes back to what the central banks and the governments do in terms of stimulus and, and bailouts and all those sorts of things and propping up the market as it is. So, you know, it's, it's kind of like multiple forces converging at the moment and what comes out the other end over this decade is probably going to be one of the most interesting decades we've ever seen in the markets that, you know, will rewrite the financial history books, I suppose. Yeah, I think... You know, and further to what I said earlier regarding uh, the influx of new um, new investors and new traders, you know, if 
something I'm content with and something I can I'm okay with is if uh, you know governments do allow failure in mm. these assets. You know, governments do allow market forces to actually take place uh, and you know lead to you know allow the you know the dead the dead uh, companies to uh, evaporate and you know from their formation the assets to, be, to get taken over and then you know new innovation can take place on top of it it's it's if that doesn't happen and we just see sort of capitalism with chinese characteristics where there's just a, an endless series of government interventions where the state just wants to get what it wants and you can play along with it and you can make money but you're not actually dabbling in something that's sort of based in economic reality. It's just something that uh, is getting endlessly juiced by the government. See, if if that if we do end up simply with bailouts and um, you know just more of that sort of government dictating the direction of movement, I don't think it's a good thing at all that people are getting suckered into it. Um, it's if where people are genuinely, you know, getting into a free market situation, and if they invest in good companies, they make money, and if they invest in bad companies, they don't. That's mm. that. That's fine. That's completely okay. It's just if uh, we don't go that way, and it does look like people are very comfortable with it not going that way. That, um, uh, that I'm not. I'm really that makes just makes the whole thing into this weird. Sort of government casino, uh, or well, I mean, you there's always that classic um, sort of slur of stock markets as being a casino. Uh, well, but this is this becomes more like a casino where if you know the right guy, the roulette wheel will always land on the numbers that you really want, you know. Um, so yeah, broadly, I mean, if you're allowing people to participate in a free market, I mean, if having an actual stock market is something that is, I think, vital to any. Uh, free market capitalist economy. This is something mm -hmm. that every free market capitalist economy should have. If it doesn't have that, then there's probably something wrong going on. Um, but, you know, they, it's got to be free. Uh, but anyway, Sam, I mean, uh, I'm on my second beer now. What beer are you on and how would you rate your last one? Uh, so I'll rate the Maverick first of all, because that was a, it was actually a really good beer. It was really nice. Uh, it was reasonably light, as I say, it's sort of 4.7%. 4. 4. Uh, hazy APA uh, from Poland, the Rock Mill Brewery in Poland. Um, rating wise, uh, look, that was that was a decent beer, but I I think I'll probably just give it a B. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think that that sort of fits the bill. Uh, as for my second, uh, I am on the Rutting Stag, which is an American Red Ale or uh, as I like to say, an A-R-A, uh, from the uh -huh. Glen Affric Brewery in Scotland. Uh, Birkenhead. Up in Birkenhead. Where's Birkenhead? Yep. I don't know where Birkenhead is. Uh, a long way heart, from you, mate. The heart of Scotland. So, yes, a long way from me. But 5%. Um, back to the more... Uh, British standard 440 ml can. Uh, very malty. Very malty indeed. Um, I'm drinking this from the can, so I can't vouch for the actual colour, but I, I would assume it is quite the red ale. Um, but the first sip was like going from the hazy APA to this. It was kind of like, 
whoa, that's a that's a very rare, wild change from my from my brain and my taste buds. But I let them settle. Had another sip. It's starting to to grow in me again. Um, but yeah, really really multi uh, flavor from from the outset of this one. Uh, but I will expect that uh, that taste to change as I uh, as I say continue to drink this and just sort of let the the taste soak in a bit more now that i've uh, uh esponged the maverick from my taste buds cleansed the palate yeah of, well uh, I think usually i would have a little glass of water i didn't have a glass of water with me to, to do the old swirl and swish and spit to cleanse the palate um but uh the, the first sip was the cleanse and now now i shall get on to the to the rest of it mm, is it like the people, I remember there's something, when people are tasting cheeses or something, there's something they say, or is it wine? Wine. used to like cleanse the palate and they're like, do they have like, do they eat blue cheese or something to do it? Or is it when you're eating blue cheese, you need something else? It's like this weird cracker or something. Uh, yeah, with cheese, it's usually like this, like a real wafer thin um, cracker that, that is often used, I think, for that. With, do you know what, interestingly enough, when I've ever gone and done wine tasting, I find one of the best palate cleansers is um a peroni and so have a, oh, have a no mate no have a bunch of wines and then just to cleanse the palate with a with a little dash oh, of peroni bro oh so undignified <laughs> oh yeah i mean hey i i am i am not what you would call a posh wine taster but a beer to just a really cold crisp beer to to wash the palate in between uh, wines uh, frowned upon i'm sure by many but kiss my ass <laughs> uh, that's the australian attitude we know and love just layer alcohol with more alcohol <laughs> yeah i'm uh, i'm on the uh, the glen Affleck rotting stag as well uh quite a uh, suggestive name i must say uh it does have a very nice label mm. um with a with a stag sort of overlooking the highlands well, actually, he's not even—he's not really in the Highlands. I don't think the stag is, but um, but yeah, there aren't any does around. So uh, yeah, this rotting stag—I uh, mean, I don't know what he's what he's rotting on, but uh, he's <laughs> by himself in in this image anyway. Maybe it would be uh, you know too it'd be too incorrect to uh, to publish the uh, the real intended image for rotting stag American red ale. Wasn't I mean why an American red ale? Well, I mean, it is its own brewery style, I suppose. Uh, so, so it should be respected. But yeah, this is Glen Affric Brewery um, at 5%. Uh, it is suitable for vegans. Uh, it has been unfiltered and unpasteurized. They will let you know. And uh, yeah, in Birkenhead. I have not been. Have I been to Birkenhead? No, I don't. I've not actually been to Birkenhead. I think I've been near Birkenhead in the past, but I've never actually been there. Um, uh, but Glen Affric does have. They do do quite a few beers, uh, and it is nice that they've got a photographic label. Those are always nice. Mm. Um, and this is an American red ale. So uh, you know, uh, referring to our previous well, so our previous uh, topic, you know that uh, the blockhead will be a blend, well, a cross of a an amber ale with an American red ale. And this one, you know, it ain't too bad. Um, though, of course, I should rate my experience of the um, of the <laughs> Doppelbock. Uh, and oh, good lord, Getty! Ah, uh, you know, this is, is that it, was is it that going was to achieve the triple A five hundred mils Doppelbock. Oh, it, yeah. I mean, I think last week I gave it what a double A minus. Yeah, I think I gave it a double A minus. Yeah. Um, this was definitely worse than than last week. So this is triple A. 
that was really grim getting that thing down um i wonder yeah, i mean oh that would like i wonder I, mean, I got if, it down i'm not i, n- I never waste beer but <laughs> i that was bad if that if, was bad. if if you like let's say you just picked one beer from all the ones we've drunk over our 36 episodes and i've got a list of i think i've got all of them and it's a very very big list uh with all the different ratings um I wonder if you drank the same one for two weeks, regardless of what, like even some of the better ones, like the Dodo, we both rated a double B plus uh, from, from, you know, a bygone era. But, um, you know, imagine if we drank the Dodo every day for two weeks, whether it would end up as low as a double A or a triple A. I wonder if you can, if there's any beer that you could consistently drink for two weeks and enjoy it for the entire period. I know. I think that. I think that's correct. Um, I know. I definitely think you could. I think Doppelbock is really quite specific um, <laughs> in its texture. I think if we had the Dodo, um, I remember there was another one where we had. Uh, it would have been a real sort of middle of lockdown. That I had. Uh, it was. It, it, I may remember it. I mean, we have had. We've had some really good beers on this. I think I remember. May remember this name quite so much just because it was so. Um, it was just such a pun of a name. The Juice for Scythe that I had a while yes. back. Um, that one was really, really quite marvelous. It, it tasted pretty good. And I think if I had a lot of that, uh, you know, I definitely, I would definitely not be AAA by the end of two weeks. So, I mean, to, to be clear, I mean, I started this fast where I was only drinking Doppelbock and then I just realized I can't only drink Doppelbock because once I've had two of these, I'm getting like acid reflux. So I'm not, you know, I can't, this is not, if it, this is the only way I'm going to get my calories. I cannot just be having this thing. So I was like, okay, I'm going to start having Guinnesses. Uh, and then from that, I was like, well, if I'm having Guinnesses, then we're just, you should just have all the beers. It is just a beer diet. It doesn't need to be this uh, Doppelbock only thing. Um, so yeah, but oh, this Doppelbock, I think a Doppelbock is quite specific. This is also a wheat Doppelbock. Um, that was really grim. So I think that's going to have to be a triple A. Uh, and I don't think if we'd been drinking the Dodo or if I'd been drinking Juice Forsyth, it'd be a triple A, even if it was the only thing I could drink for, for two weeks. I think this is just, um, I think this is specific to, to the Aventinus. Yeah, I mean, this is really bad advertising for, uh, for Schneiderweiser. But uh, yeah. Well, I mean, Admittedly, it didn't, it, it didn't start very high. For, to be fair, I think I think the first rating you gave it was only just like an A or an A plus. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it's never been a great beer. It was just because you know this is this is the the beer you're meant to drink. Uh, if you were a monk in the uh, you know 1600s, this would be what you'd be drinking. Um, but you know, if you think AAA is bad, imagine how I'm going to feel about it in a week's time at a, in our next podcast because you know i will do it i mean i said at the beginning at the beginning of this fast i'm going to keep uh, for every week i'm doing this i will be drinking doppelbock and i will be progressively rating it uh, so we'll see we'll see we may have a maybe even a triple a minus at uh, at next week but sam yeah um in terms of uh, you know this beer this new one the rutting stag pretty good i would say so far american have we had met any American red ales uh, so far? I don't. I feel like we probably have. I've only been recording the name of the beers, not the actual style. So I'd have to go back through the list. And I'm sure there's been 
been another one or two in there along the way. Yeah, we've uh, definitely had red ales. Definitely red ales. I wonder if the American one. I think this might actually be our first American red ale, but I could be wrong. Possibly. Possibly. Yeah, uh, like I say, well, I'll take it. Actually, you know what? I'll take a snapshot uh, of the, the, the list, the recording that, uh, that I've put down. Uh, I, I, I feel like I've probably missed a couple in there somewhere along the line, spelt some of them horribly wrong. Uh, but I will take a snapshot of it and I'll post it on our Twitter page so that people can get a bit of an idea of the beer consumption we've had over the last 36 episodes, which, mm. you know, on first glance looks unhealthy, but you know, I mean, it's really only two beers <laughs> every, every Friday for an hour while we chew the fat. So it's not too bad. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, we're on number 36. Um, you know, to be honest, it does, to me, it feels like we've been doing this for a year, you know, a year. 36 is way less than a year. Do you feel <laughs> <Yeah>. that way? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's some, that's some impressive maths you've done there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like, have been, minus we have actually missed some weeks. <laughs> we have missed some weeks in here. So it's not always every Friday we've done this. You know, there have been a, it is slightly more, it will be slightly more than 36 weeks since we started this, but I'm pretty sure it's not enough weeks that we've made it to the whole 52. No, it's definitely not a year. Like, I mean, if we go back, I'm, I mean, I can pull it up now. I think our very first episode, the pilot was on the 12th of June, 2020. So we, what are we, I, I don't even know what the date is now, the 5th of March. We've still got three months to go before. Uh, do you know what? Good Actually look. that, our, our uh, the a year is pretty much going to coincide with being free again. Damn, damn, yeah. That that might that's a good yeah that's good good coincidence Think good energy. That. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's quite something. Um, well, but I mean that is a that is a way away. So we uh, we shall uh, we shall continue as before. Um, looking ahead at uh, the next week, Sam, because we've had such a volatile one this week. Yeah. Uh, and I, I mentioned earlier, I think the, the Fed, you know, maybe they'll, they'll um, you know, there is an argument that the Fed being dovish is fine for bond yields rising anyway, because bond yield rising me is anticipating that the Fed will be successful in creating inflation, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but at the same time, I just wonder whether or not there'll be some kind of jawboning of markets that'll take place next week. I wonder if it could be another stimulus, uh, you know, another big stimulus announcement to some degree, um, or pulling it forward or something like that. Uh, what do you think? What do you think we're going to see next week? Because uh, mm. you know, markets are so sensitive now to any discomfort whatsoever. That yeah. feels like whenever the um, someone and when anyone rattles the cage, you know, it always leads to some kind of concession by the administrators of the market, be it the Treasury or the Fed. Do you think we're going to see something like that next week? Yeah, I think what Powell's done at the moment is that everyone's been so much like when markets go down, you just, you know, buoy the market and, you know, prop it up. And that this week, I think it's almost just been a, um, kind of him just doing a little bit of grandstanding, like, you know, well, no, I do not, do, do not. And then he just sort of lets it do its thing. And they'll revert, they'll revert to norm pretty quick, I think. I don't think they can sustain 
I, I just don't think, I know, you know, I know we talk about, the, you know, the, the, the market not being the economy, but in the US it kind of is. And if the market's doing shit, the economy's going to do shit. And they really can't, they can't have that coming out the back of this coronavirus thing. Uh, they, need a, they need the US market and, and economy to be booming hand in hand. And they, I think they're going to move heaven and earth to make that happen and worry about inflation and worry about that shit in five years time when it, you know, may, when maybe we do start to see, uh, you know, a, a, an element of hyperinflation really kick in. But I think it'll revert to norm pretty quick. Uh, and this might've just been him saying, you know, I don't always do what you say I do. Sometimes I do think differently in my own way. Um, so I think that'll change. Yeah. Yeah. There is a, it is interesting with the stock market is not the economy idea. Uh, the chat, yeah, Luke Roman, a uh, uh, big gold guy and a macro guy broadly, uh, has made a very compelling case uh, referring to Alan Greenspan's uh, comments that he made. I think they were at some kind of um, congressional hearing or something uh, where Greenspan commented at the amount of tax receipts the U.S. Treasury receives are capital gains taxes uh, from, uh, you know, stock market, U.S. stock market. Um, investment accounts, you know, IRAs and the like. And as a result, uh, effectively, the stock market is the economy because or the treasury, the US treasury relies so much on capital gains taxes that a sustained bear market would lead to, uh, you know, complete absence of tax revenue, a significant, uh, you know, portion of tax revenue would evaporate for the treasury. And as a result, uh, you know, the, the U.S. government wouldn't be able to spend all it, all it does on the military, on entitlements, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so there's this incentive for the government to constantly manage the stock market higher. Uh, and I think that is very, uh, very, um, I think it's a very compelling argument. So I do think you're right. I think there will be some kind of Fed intervention, uh, but it doesn't need to be an actual action, but there will be some kind of a statement, you know, forward guidance, sort of yeah. management of perception of yeah. operation that goes on. Something to uh, boy a bit have, of um, something to boy a bit of confidence, keep a bit of confidence in there. Yeah, so, yeah, something to to reassure the uh, the asset managers, uh, and also maybe even to get the dollar down because the dollar has uh, started to jump up again, and uh, not many people like the dollar going up, um, especially the United States, ironically. Um, but Sam, we have uh, we have gone on for quite a wee while. This has, uh, mm. has been a fairly long podcast, though I imagine my perception of the podcast being long was probably me spending an inordinate amount of time consuming that Doppelbock just because it's so damn hard to drink now. But I do feel it has gone on for a wee while. Uh, do you have yeah. any any closing statements? We should rate rate this beer, the Rutting Stack. Uh, no, my my closing statement is we we have we've probably gone a little longer than usual today, but um, and and I think I can tell that we. Be, uh, because of the imminent bursting of my bladder. Um, so I will rate the rutting stag quite uh, uh, quickly. Uh, nice beer. Uh, very, very good. As I said, it was a bit of a bit of a shock to come off the hazy APA to start with, um, but have, have enjoyed it. I don't know if I could drink loads of them um, in succession. <laughs> it's more one to, to I think, uh, ponder over and, and, and sip. I think it would do well. Uh, I think it'd, 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 it'd do well maybe in uh, slightly warmer uh, circumstances than, than it is at the moment. But no, look, I like that. Um, 
I'm not, I'm not overly fussed by either of these two today, though, to be honest with you. I'm just going to give, it's still a very good beer, don't get me wrong, um, and this is still a good rating, but I'm just going to give it a B, which is sort of middle of the road uh, for, for our rating system. Yeah, I think I'd give it a B minus. Um, it's okay. It's okay. It's certainly better than Doppelblock, but uh, <laughs> nothing, nothing to write home about. So uh, yeah, I think B minus is uh, is a fair enough grade. Yeah, but yeah, I think that uh, that ends episode thirty six of Booze, Booms, and Bus. I hope you have enjoyed listening to this. Uh, do be sure to give us a follow on Twitter if you do. Where it's just uh, at Booze, Booms, Busts. Uh, and we shall be back uh, next week with episode 37. In the meantime, I hope you have a very good weekend and uh, we'll be seeing you in a week. Bye-bye.